0: Welcome to episode 2 of the AJW Destiny podcast. I'm your host JD joined by Mr. K. So, can you hear me, yes. sir? Are you excited? I am super excited. I love AJW. We both love AJW and for those joining us for the first time or just need a little reminder, this is an extension of the Redley Retrocast. cast. What we've done at we we've We've completed the 1980s classics journey. And, Kay, I don't know if you're aware of this. I went into a lot of this All Japan Women's Classics basically totally blind. I mean, it's probably the best way to go about it because you learn everything. So,
1: you pick up on things, you learn things, and it's like a fresh experience. It's probably a good thing. Yeah, I
0: had to learn the rules, the style, a good chunk of the wrestlers, the history of it all. And I would be reminiscent, uh, listening back to the episode from Redleaf Retrocast, where we first covered it and, and put it at the end of each of these episodes. uh, So you, the listeners can uh, learn along with us and realize a lot of our own mistakes. It is not the three, a title, as I say, it is not go quaku kaku Dome, or however I pronounced it. (laughs) You were were close in your defense. You were kind of close. (laughs) But this episode was a lot of fun especially listening back cuz I got to discover Dump Matsumoto. Is her name? We're making that up. <laughs> oh, man, as I went through the classics and watched more and more Dump Matsumoto, I fell so much more in love with the super heel that she was. And for those that want, I have to I have to do the plugs, Kay. Kay, you are from the Big Egg Joshi podcast. Where can they find you on the Twitter machine? And what are you pumping out these days?
1: Uh, so at Twitter, you can find me at blue underscore Kano one. And these days, the Big Egg Joshi podcast, I've sort of gone in a brand new direction, kind of a fitting that we that I've uh, revealed on this sort of podcast. Um, I am now covering JWP, a promotion that sort of came out in 86, 87. And I'm following it from 1990. I'm starting in the beginning of 1990. And uh, some very interesting contrasts, but I plan on going up until what? Probably the first closure in 2000, but I'm covering that over the
0: Big Egg Joshi podcast. I'm very excited to dive into that with you. I watched uh, the show that you're covering in episode one. Very exciting. Um, I mean, obviously we're on a retro women's wrestling podcast here. AJW Destiny is how we've deemed this name very appropriate considering the history just with that name in itself and to get the further name out there of all Japan women. I'm super excited to go back down this journey and add because that is the objective here is add to the knowledge uh, from which we've learned um, among a lot of the wrestlers and uh, of course I can I gotta plug myself can't forget about that. I am at bowling JD on Twitter. You could also search Redleaf Retrocast. That's where all of this stems from. And if you really enjoy this and want more retro wrestling, mostly women, head on over to the Patreon Redleaf Retrocast. Uh, Sign up for Big Egg Joshi, because what we do over there is we're going currently down the 2010s Joshi journey. Coming out of the Dark Ages, it's on the $1.50 tier. If you want even further stuff like k's jd star stuff and uh my Starcade current in this current form that's the five dollar tier along with a lot of other uh things that the patrons request of us but the dollar 50 stuff uh, particularly the joshi 2010s if you want to partake in that learning experience all you have to do is wait two weeks and hand it over to big egg joshi and get those episodes for free but obviously we'd Really love it if you help contribute to all the tape trading and research that goes into each and every one of those episodes because it's not just one promotion we cover. We we try to cover them all because there's a lot of them. Big matches, big feuds, big stories. We're about to do Catch the Wave 2010 any day now. Very exciting stuff. So let's get into all Japan women here, Kay. I know you're excited to keep plugging uh, the patron and all of the Joshi stuff. But this is episode two of the classics. Very fun episode. Um, one thing, one thing I've noticed: anyone who kind of goes back and I've, I've, okay, I've delved into the Spotify's of the world, the iTunes, and I keep searching all Japan women. I keep searching some of the, some key names from the '80s, and gotta all say, right. everyone seems to just do one-off episodes of the same thing over and over again. Maybe the Big Egg Joe, Big Egg Show of Aja Kong, Manami Toyota, just to name one. Uh, the, the cage match from 1990 with Bull Nakano. It's usually the same kind of three to six matches that they always go over. I rare I, I, I was hard-pressed to find anyone actually cover the things from the 80s.
1: Right, they're just covering the, the big matches that everyone talks about. Like the ones that are on the Meltzer scales or things like that like the big ones that everyone that kind of bust out of the retro bubble to an extent. I mean it's fine I guess but right we're probably the only or at least at the beginning you were probably the only one
0: that covered the 80s. Yeah and, and being and and being the fact that uh the newsletters of the time um uh, not a lot in the 80s and Everything is in kind of Japanese. Very difficult for me to translate, uh, being that I don't speak Japanese. I speak German. Not a lot of things in German either. <laughs> I know you're shocked, Kay. <laughs> I'm very shocked. So here on this Classics episode, we get uh, we get the retirement of Mimi Hagiwara and, uh, and the retirement of Tarantula, I believe, at the same time. So we get a double retirement match. We get... Three, we get two three WA uh tag matches. Uh, one's a tag title match, and then one's uh, the main event is Jaguar Yokota trying to get her title back, uh, the UWA one, I believe, from La Galactica uh, because the previous one was a hair versus uh, championship ha- and hair versus mask match. So the, the big feud between the two, uh, Come to a culmination, and Law Galactica later actually does lose her mask and come back. Comes back to uh, AJW as someone else.
1: I believe her name is Pantera something. I I, I looked it up not too long ago because yeah, uh, you had mentioned the UWA belt, and I was looking through its lineage because it appears also in JWP.
0: Yeah, Pantera Serena uh, is her you. name. Yeah, and yeah. she has a she has a long, long storied career. Uh, she doesn't she doesn't end up retiring until basically 2000 and um, very famous luchadora she actually went into Anja Kong's promotion Arsian, and yeah, became, she became did. a star there so that was that was super interesting to find out and uh, one thing that I think we I didn't notice uh, didn't didn't research at the time was I was learning about the ret- mandatory retirement age. 'Cause I just thought, hey, people get injured all the time. Maybe they've ran their career. I had no idea how many how old these women were. They were very young. Just super shocking. Especially if you're coming from, you know, the modern era where, you know, the average age of, of a man of a men's wrestler these days seems to be in their early forties.
1: <laughs> right, right. It's funny because I knew about the rule almost before I started watching the matches because it was so ubiquitous when I first came into the, the scene. Or first, for came into Joshi, we were talking about the twenty-five year old rule, saying that most Joshi wrestled tw- retire at twenty-five. That yeah, was a quote like that came from. from the rule. Yeah. yeah, twenty-five and the three nos: no drugs, no cigarettes, or no no alcohol, no cigarettes. There's no drugs, no cigarettes, and no boys. No so boys,
0: The three nos, which gives big perspective to me of how important the foreign gaijins were. For getting the young Japanese stars over, and uh, we mentioned Monster Ripper, whom later became known as uh, Bertha Fay. To my just utter shock that it's even remotely <laughs> it's the same person. Night. It's quite a night and day. <laughs> yeah, uh, she she was a comedy character in WWF in the nineties. So, and and how quickly she she won the title and became the big gaijin heel, and now here we have the other Gaijin heel, whom is the Luchadora La Galactica, whom, you know, not, not the most exciting in the ring, but it was definitely a different time in Lucha Libre, no doubt. And the fact that all Japan women still used, I mean, we got a Canadian and now a Mexican coming into Japan to do these things, and then later we'll get into the Medusas of the world. Wendy Richter and uh, I'm, I'm going to go into some Mimi Hagiwara stuff. They were very important, especially in the 80s, to getting wrestlers over. Yeah,
1: because this is during the... I think it's like towards the tail end of the uh sort of foreign heel comes in and the, the baby face Japanese wrestler has to beat them. That was the booking style of the 70s
0: and they sort of bled into the 80s a little bit. Yeah, you saw a lot of contrast with that in All Japan Pro Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling. It wasn't just All Japan Women. It was a... I don't want to say crutch, because that seems like it was a bad thing. It was just it was it was a just style. Right, it, it was worked. a style, and it absolutely worked. So who are we to disagree with that fact? So I wanted to get into Mimi Hagiwara and Tarantula, a.k.a. Wild Kazuki. And as I'm going through the uh, tag title reign, the 3WA, not the 3AW. Okay, what is the difference between 3WA and 3AW?
1: Uh, three AW was the Gaia belts that would not <laughs> appear until 1995-96.
0: <laughs> Honest mistake, just in 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 name. I'm sorry, I apologize. You'll will, you will hear that later on the on the first uh, retro coverage of the show. So <clears throat> on the show we have uh, Mimi Hagiwara and Wild Kazuki. Wild Kazuki, uh, to to my knowledge and research, was the baby face transformation of tarantula after she lost her mask so tarantula was was part of devil masami's faction i'll get into a certain match later we'll get into with mimi where tarantula was kind of the number two to devil masami and she loses her mask becomes wild kazuki the big baby face that helped out mimi hagiwara to a lot of the heels uh so that's what my Uh, my research of of her came to be. So kind of a, she's a case of a mid Carter that knows her place and helps out when need be. And that seems to be a a style that throughout the 80s, you had your big heel and you had their number two. And they would win tag titles with them, but they would never really get that singles push. Excuse me. Singles push. Yeah, like,
1: like, fast forward to your Aja Kong and Bull, and your, your Bull and Bison, and your Aja and... Uh, your, your Bull and Grizzly and Aja and Bison.
0: Excuse me. Right. You know, there are special cases where if they see a star in that number two, they will make a blood feud out of it and break them up. And Aja Kong's probably the most notable. Uh, but it, it, it generally was not anything of normalcy in all japan women the closest i can think of in the 80s is someone would retire from the tag team and then they would try to have them break off into a single star there was no blood feud involved the other contrast is the case of the crush gals where they had stipulations and whatnot to break up the team they didn't put them against each other as enemies but as we get into rivals. later in the '80s, as as rivals,
1: they wouldn't become enemies until like Gaia.
0: They booked that whole feud. All right, and that sounds that sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, it was so. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the card here again. The Dynamite Girls is a good example of a retirement uh, forcing a push later. Uh, of course, find out later that would be Jumbo Hori and Yukari Omori. Yukari Omori goes on to have a very successful singles run. The more you'll hear about her uh, will be later. She even teams with Mimi Hagiwara in 1981 82 because uh, I believe Jumbo Hori was injured and Mimi needed a tag partner to go against her rivals. Uh, Nancy Kumi was a rival of Mimi Hagiwara's, a former All Pacific champion, I believe. And Mimi was also big heavy rivals against Devil Masami as everyone was during the early eighties. And yeah, Masami the, was the big heel. Yeah. She was the big heel. Yeah. This was before Dump Matsumoto became the huge, huge uh, well, industry changing star, actually.
1: And they modeled a lot of after her. Aja and Bull, oh, they're sort of what they were modeled from from her, and so does a lot of people going forward. Absolutely. The 90s.
0: And uh if you've never if you're not familiar with Dump Matsumoto as I was when I first started this journey, you are in for a treat. Every single heel imaginable needs to watch Dump Matsumoto matches and go, Okay, that's the baseline. How do I how do I make it mine? And Bull Nakano, or as I say on this podcast later, Nakano. <laughs> Nakano <laughs> Yeah, she she saw that model that dump that dump made and uh, really evolved uh, into her own character from it. So it's really it's really cool. So okay, I have some matches here from Mimi Hargiwara and uh, uh of because uh, she was the bigger star. I did I did find some wild Kazuki matches. They were all involved with Mimi, uh, Tarantula. Here we've we've seen what she's kind of capable of with uh, teaming with Devil Masami. You saw that as a as a good three W A. Tag title match with Devil Masami and the Dynamite Girls uh, in episode one. So Mimi, I highly recommend the number one thing I recommend checking out is the feud with the Glamour Girls, the Glamour Gals. That's uh, Judy Martin and Lalani L- Kai of AWA and and WWF fame. Judy Martin was the first big kind of Gaijin feud that wasn't in the main event. That was uh, during this era especially the early 80s, because it before the classics, was t- taken up by Monster Ripper and La Galactica, at least from all intents and purposes, while Judy Martin was given the task to get Mimi over. And they kind of bounced the All-Pacific title, the number two belt, the white belt. And I, I really, really enjoyed uh, the November 4th, 1982 match. And then there's a match that happened later where Judy Martin tried to win the title back from Mimi in January of 83. And a little bit slower match, not as good. But the feud was definitely hitting home with fans, and Judy Martin was really good. She's a really, really good Western women's wrestler, good guy, gaijin heel, could go in the ring. I mean, shit, shit, they wrestled many years later against the Jumping Bomb Angels. My 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 glorious Norio Tateno. I love her K. I don't know if you've heard.
1: <laughs> quite a, you've been quite a Tateno fan, I've seen.
0: I I am a big Tateno fan, and now I'm a big Mimi Hakiwara fan. And the the com- <laughs> the common factor here is Judy. Goddamn fucking Martin. She is a beast. She's sure, the only. Sure, that's the only common factor here. <laughs> that is the hey Don't you discount Judy Martin. I I do I do like her. They did pull some, so I do recommend those two matches. You can actually go to the daily motion page of uh, Redleaf Um, <laughs> assuming they're still up by the time you're listening to this. Who knows when it could go down any day, but I'm trying my best to to uh, maintain some historical purposes here. There was also some very good rival matches between Mimi and the top people on the card, or, or the main event, if you will. There was. The famous draw in January of eighty four as Mimi was uh ending her career against Jaguar Yokota, where they did a title versus title match. So obviously that went to a draw. And we watched a Mimi versus uh Devil Masami match. Uh oh. Clicked on a video by accident. <laughs> it's okay, you got to hear the <laughs> bell ring.
1: <laughs> That's funny. So no, Mimi Me, Me and Devil is good. The contrast is also kind of interesting when you look at how they both kind of looked. You can tell very easily by just how they presented or were presented who the heel was and who the big baby face was. Sort of, had, I like how they did that back then. Nowadays, it's kind of hard sometimes to tell who the baby face who the heel is. They can look so similar.
0: It's something something nice about the simplicity of it back then. It, It, it is, it, well okay so I, I was a I was a guest on the Joshi pod with Eric and we talked about old Japan women and how the contrast of what's considered a heel and baby face kind of doesn't it's not tra- it doesn't translate in the modern era of joshi wrestling women's wrestling the same because there's such an emphasis on looks and the importance yeah, of selling merchandise yes that you could blame that on the 2000s. Yes,
1: uh, uh, very much so because they couldn't. You couldn't be a heel because if you're a heel, nobody likes you. You can't sell T-shirts or eight by tens or two shots. So, like why Kagetsu was
0: the closest you got to a heel in stardom, and even then she was like not even a heel, not not a not a full one hundred percent heel like a dump Matsumoto or a Devil Masami in this case. And I found the I found the match. It is um March nineteen eighty three, is when that happens, and that that's an interesting contrast because Mimi. I mean, at a time in the match, it's like five on one, and even her partner on the outside, who uh, I believe it was um, the the Dynamite Girls, were trying to help, and it it was just too much for uh, her to overcome, and and the finish was very unique and interesting. It's kind of it's kind of garbage, but hey, it's 1983 here where. It's literally five people holding Mimi back from getting outside the ring, and this ref is just going, one, two, come on, get back in the ring. Five people are holding it back, and then right before the ten count, Masami gets right in front of her and keeps her from getting back in the ring, and the ref just goes, ten, she wins.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's quite funny.
0: Yeah, so I laughed at that. Uh, so, yeah, the the Mimi Hagiwara, her, her signature move was more or less the figure four, and... I found that interesting because much of the wrestling, everybody kind of wrestled the same back then. You were either heel, heel or babyface, but the moves were kind of the same. That's what made Devil Masami stand out and Jaguar Yokota stand out because Devil Masami would do power moves like a powerbomb, overhead presses to show off her strength, while Jaguar Yakota would do kind of cartwheels and Cape and and all, all kinds of things uh, to show more of a, a luchadora aspect to her game. And obviously, everyone had mat game that was part of the training. While Mimi Hagiwara would do, I guess you'd call it a Joshi Sling Blade, where they where they uh, meet, they both run the ropes at the same time, and do the double kind of hair pull Sling Blade situation, face first into the ground. Oh yeah, that was definitely. I think that was her her
1: patented like signature move outside of her figure four. That was her thing that her she did.
0: Yeah, it was it was the big comeback spots that she had. Everyone had drop kicks. Not so much forearms being thrown yet. I found that interesting. No, that would be way later actually. Yeah, not not much strong style. No one's no one's uh, kick heavy MMA style. None of that has uh has happened yet. Uh, that's one thing I noticed. Oh. That comes later with the uh, Chigusa, Nagayos and Oscar's of the world. So that kind of separated them as themselves. So when when you start seeing a lot, when I started seeing a lot of these wrestlers um, uh, get trained and come into the mid '80s, which is where these classics kind of c- come into play, the early '80s were very much kind of similar. Uh, outside of your top three, your Masami Yokota and Mimi Hagiwara, then you had your foreign gaijins, who obviously worked way different.
1: Oh yeah, because the style in in the states was so different. It was very much more catch catch can. Or like your, your lockups, your suplexes, your 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 holds, your rest holds, and stuff like that was very much the style.
0: Yeah. If I had one, if I had one thing to look out for in Mimi Hagiwara matches is she has a at least the match structure has a bad habit of like midway she will lock in the figure four and they're in there forever. And you almost you're almost glad that the that the heel faction members just kind of hit the ring and kick them out of it because I watched one match where uh, I believe it was against uh, uh Nancy Cumia could be incorrect on that one the point being still stands though that she locks this in and they're in there for like six minutes just fighting for it very very uh, tough to get through uh, considering. Uh, I know a lot of wrestling fans out there kind of enjoy the struggle. There is such thing as enjoying the struggle for too long a length of time. And that's one, that's one crutch that Mimi kind of had in her match structures. So that's something to look out for. Yeah,
1: submission wrestling is good, but it's when it's, when you're having someone in a, it's like even like a Boston Crab for too long, it just kills the mood of the match, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's almost it's almost like 30 seconds is kind of the threshold. It's like, all right, let's get out of this thing and move on unless you're trying to play into the match. I, I always I always reference Bret Hart, who was all, who was very brilliant at that cuz he'd work he'd work the body part forever, get you in and the guy would either uh immediately hit the ropes early in the match if he did lock it in, and the longer the match would go on, the longer the submission would be in. So, story structure in matches. Um just just an observation there. From Mimi Hagiwara, do you have any comments, Kay? Oh, uh, something I haven't mentioned over some of the wrestlers that were on this card. From what we saw, um, maybe something I said I'm... in the past review.
1: Well, outside of saying Kokaku Dome, uh, very <laughs> close but incorrect, and the three AW, put over Gaia rule pretty early. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think always with what we're, the card we're looking at now, the one thing I do want to kind of make a little bit of a mention of is the UWA world women's title.
0: Ah, the one, How, uh, La Galactica had against, uh, Jaguar Kota's 3-W-A title.
1: Uh, yeah, it's not the 3-A-W, gotcha. Yeah, it was title-for-title
0: um, <laughs> title match. I found that interesting. Yeah, it was good,
1: it was, it was a good match, um... The UWA belt makes a random reappearance, at least as far as I'm concerned, in 1990's JWP, where this exact belt right here that LaGlattica has is held by Miss A, or as most you would know later, Dynamite Freaking Kansai. Very interesting that that belt has a, a weird history of existing in many different places.
0: Yeah, it's, it's always interesting to find the contrast and see what happens through, through time of where the, the title belts go, most notably today, or at least not notably. Not notably at all, actually, is the FMW Junior title is now like the indie belt. In Japan, <laughs> it's, it's like the indie world title or something like yeah. that. It's
1: so so bizarre. So says FMW on it, too, which is even funnier.
0: Yeah, it's I I always get a crack out of that when, especially when people say it matters. I'm like, uh, uh, that's a.
1: Does still exist? Doesn't FMW still exist to some extent? Maybe. So,
0: yeah, I mean, as much I I guess as much as LLPW still I guess technically exists. <laughs> yeah, but they still run shows. We
1: just don't get to see them. They run it for like two hundred people. <laughs>
0: So, one thing, one last thing I want to mention before we get into the past retro review from Redleaf Retrocast, my first dive into All Japan women. So again, forgive me for what I get wrong. It was a learning experience. Keep a lookout for the mid carters that second the major players. In this case, it's Crane Yu on this show, and then the Dynamite Girls is are some are people to look out for just pay attention to kind of who they feud with. Um, I think the most famous that I've come across is definitely Yumi Ogura of the Red Typhoons against Bull Nakano. When you start paying attention to the seconds, if you will, you will find out how important they were to getting a future star over. Wild Kazuki, a.k.a. Tarantula, was part of Mimi Hagiwara, along with Devil Masami. Crane Yu was dumped second. Uh, in a lot of the f- future feuds with the Crush Gals until Crane U, I believe, retired uh, to injury. It wasn't to um, the mandatory retirement age. Could be wrong on that. Uh-oh. Could be wrong. Also, that.
1: With, but, uh, with the Crane U stuff, pay attention to, at some point, a baby bull Nakano is also there, and she would become the big second to dump after Crane left.
0: Yes, indeed. So you do see who whom ends up replacing them as the big seconds. Uh, who gets bigger roles? Who gets pushed? It's 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 something I wish, in hindsight, I would have paid attention to more. But I was really paying attention to the major players and learning. And now the second time through, I'm definitely able to to notice more important things of of what's to come. So everybody, I hope you enjoyed AJW Destiny. Now on to the original audio from Redleaf Retrocast. You're gonna hear some some things from. Uh, the episodes, such as an MLW reference and some uh, Nitro references, you can kind of ignore those. But if you want to listen to more, it's all on the main Redley Fletcher cast feed. I hope you enjoy. All right, that really gets me pump pumping. Uh, Minami Toyota's uh, music. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the MLW chat with my mom. And now we're going into All Japan Women Classics from Poroso Dream and Samurai TV Episode 2. And uh, varied dates in 1984 here on this show. Uh, so it was a conglomeration of matches rather than from a single night this time. Uh, we start off 1984, April 1st from Cork and Hall. And uh, we get Mimi Hagiwa- Hagiwara versus uh, Tarantula. In a retirement match. Um, I believe for both of them. uh, Actually. So Mimi Hagiwara and Tarantula might sound familiar. Because they were on episode 1. Hagiwara got... uh, (laughs) Let's call it... The worst for wear against uh, Monster Ripper. Who I was very into. And I like Hagiwara's look and how she goes. And then Tarantula was in that crazy tag match. uh, Featuring all the crazy... um, Spot moves uh, with, with uh, her masked partner. Well, it was a quickly paced match featuring drop kicks, cross bodies, and looked more like a luchador match. Uh, so it was very fun. Ends just as quickly. Goes only to a five minute draw, and afterwards everyone gets flowers. Hagiwara cuts a farewell and thank you promo uh, to end her career. I saw two matches from her, and sad I won't be able to watch any more on this on this AJW classics journey. She stood out immediately to me and had, had, just she just had that appeal with the with the white cape and the tiara and everything. So, uh, I might look up on YouTube or something more matches of hers uh, against um, the bigger name opponents. Very curious about that now. Next match was from 1984, August 25th, venue Cork and Hall, featured the uh, 3A Tag Championship in a two out of three falls match was the team of Jumbo Hori and Yukari Omori, the champions, taking on Chigusa Nagayo and Lioness Asuka, a.k.a. The Crush Gals. Yes, our first match we get to see on this journey of The Crush Gals. Oh, I'm I'm so excited. I I know of them. I've seen their individual matches. I've seen just scattered, you know, YouTube videos and clips of The Crush Gals. I've done my reading on them. Oh, I'm very excited for this. Who are Jumbo Hori and Yukari Omori? I don't know, but their names roll off the tongue. (laughs) Uh, This match was red-hot and even more fast-paced than that retirement match. The crowd favorites are, you wouldn't guess, Asuka and Chigusa. Yes, of course they're the crowd favorites, especially Chigusa. Uh, Asuka is the worker, Chigusa is the hot tag in this instance. Uh, The first fall happened lightning fast with Chigusa and uh, Asuka. Just quickly running rough shot over the champions, dominating fashion, uh, getting the first fall rather quickly. Uh, It's kind of shocking to me how fast it was. And no, I did not know this was a two out of three falls match because I thought they just ended the match in like three minutes. I was like, holy crap, the new champions. But no, it quickly went into a second fall. And uh, Linus Asuka grabs, I believe it was Jumbo Hori, into a big swing and... Far be it from me from saying that Lioness Asuka has the best big swing I've seen in wrestling. Be- much better than Cesaro's. She goes as fast as she possibly can. It's not about the strength and just making it making it seem like a spot. She makes it look like she's wanting to give this person vertigo and then slam him onto the ground. It looks fantastic. But anyways, the second... The second fall does go much slower. It's in favor of Jumbo Hori and Omori. Uh, Jumbo uses her bigger build to gain control. Eventually leads to an electric chair crossbody on Asuka to get the second fall. Looks pretty cool, especially for the uh, early 80s. The third fall had the crowd on their feet and screaming, especially the females in the audience, just shrieking. Uh, Just banshee-like screams of Gochigusa and Asuka. The double-team isolation on Chigusa lasts most of the time. Uh, finally tagging in Asuka. So, I know I said earlier that uh, Asuka took the brunt of being the worker, but into the second fall, for a few minutes, they isolated Chigusa uh, and got some heat on her because she's the crowd favorite. Um so she finally tags in Oscar, taking out Jumbo Hori with rapid headbutts and a top rope backdrop, just showcasing Oscar's strength despite being uh, much skinnier and leaner than all the other women in the in the in the ring. There, uh, Hori kicks out of a double team maneuver via uh, she's in a backdrop position from Oscar, and she double kicks uh, Chigusa off the top rope, which Chigusa sells like a champ. She goes straight to the apron. Uh, regardless though, she tags in her partner, Omori, and Asuka does stop Omori from doing any sort of hot tag situation, right in her tracks, uh, she gooses back on the apron, regained her composure, gets tagged in, hits a few of her quick moves in suggestion, suggestion, in succession with her big, uh, signature kicks, uh, rolls through into a German suplex, To get a last-second pin, new champions, crowd goes insane. Love this match. It's fucking fantastic. Move on to date 1984, September 17th at Oto Ward Gymnasium. And this was a Fuji TV Tag League match, um, which preceded the World Championship match that was in the main event. This was the Crush Gals again, now champions, uh, facing off against Dump Matsumoto, I am not making that name up, and Crane Yu, A.K.A. the Go- Gokuaku Dome team, uh, which was—and I looked this up—I was very curious because these looked like legit. This looked like a legit tag team faction type situation, and sure enough, uh, the face paint and the heavy metal look that Dump Matsumoto and Crane Yu had—they were indeed Dump Matsumoto's faction. Uh, Goku Aku Dome, and it included Bull Nakano, which came in later. So there you go there. Makes you immediately uh, kind of... They look like Kiss characters, to say the least. Chigusa was very kick-heavy in this match compared to being uh, the one waiting on the apron or being beaten down previously. She hit many of her kicks again. Some of her submission moves this time as well, abdominal stretches and the like. Uh, The Crush Gals even did a double spike pile driver against Crane Yu at one point. Uh, This triggered one of the many heel tactics from Dump going forward. So, the team's looking in in bad shape. Dump gets in, uh, mostly involving just stopping the ref's count at first. Just getting in the ring, just going, "Uh uh-uh, don't do it. And she's, you know, pointing at her head, saying she's smart. Uh, Matsumoto and Crane Yu are not the fittest looking women, to say the least. But uh, their gimmick look... Uh, does the trick regardless. Then, Dump Matsumoto introduces a garden bucket into the ring as a weapon. Uh, no DQ by the way. It's uh very much the ref's discretion here in all Japan wrestling, all Japan women's wrestling. Uh, bucket get you gets used a couple times. Linus Oscar does end up getting it, taking out via bucket shot Matsumoto and you then dump goes to the goes to the outside introduces a chain into the fray and this is when the match just gets out of control with other wrestlers just brawling in the ring they bring more chains in the ref just has enough throws the match out the crowds just light, just the crowds just going crazy for all this it's very hot i loved it Mo- i think the crowd reaction had a lot to do with it they were just very enamored with it i loved The fact that uh, titles were not on the line. However, this does not end their feud. Clearly, I want more. I did not mind this no contest finish. I'm looking forward to their next encounter and this feud continuing. So, on to the World Championship match. It was actually a double title match. The 3A World Championship uh, held by La Galactica. Uh, whom we saw in Episode 1 win the title from Jaguar Yokota, and Jaguar Yokota is now the UWA world title holder. This match was, in a, in a word, epic. I was pretty peeved with their first encounter. Uh, I witnessed in Episode 1 where La Galactica's big friend uh, just interfered to no end, and being basically a handicap match mess very much rubbed me the wrong way. Well, that played into my much happier affair in this match. This one was way different in everything I could have wanted. So I don't know whether this was by design. It very well could have been, easily could have been, where I don't want Logilactica's big friend to get involved this time. I want a straight one-on-one match. This was title for title. Yeah, uh... It, it it definitely, I think, contributed. So, had that big match feel. Galactica was super rough and brawling character, uh, including jumping Jaguar from behind, brawling outside, throwing into chairs. Uh, not to say the moves Galactica wasn't doing, uh, was doing wasn't impressive. Uh, she did have her few spots. There was a reversal where Galactica threw Jaguar over the top rope and then followed it up with just a crazy spinning suicide dive. She goes like horizontal through the ropes, um, wanting, I, I think wanting to do a cross body suicide drive, but in suicide drive, suicide dive, but ends up doing a uh, horizontal, like forearm suicide drive, dive instead. The Jaguar comeback was epic because that is my word of this match. It started with a tombstone counterweight reversal into one of her own, followed up with running dropkicks to Galactica to stop her, including one from the top rope, because Galactica wanted to go to the top rope and hit her big move. Not going to happen with with, uh, the wild Jaguar yakota. Galactica even bleeds through the mask. Uh, Must have missed how it happened, but I think uh, it was falling from the apron and being... Uh, torn at through the mask because Jaguar's not going to have the heel get the better of her this time. Pulling out all the stops, Jaguar just looks very furious in this, very furious and and uh, intense. Um, just added to the match intensity with Jaguar just getting the best of this dirty heel. Uh, then they had Jaguar had an answer of on Galactica for everything, including a top rope double arm suplex to finally. Just put the nail in the coffin on her. Uh, Galactic goes, goes for a clothesline as they're running the ropes. Jaguar Yokota ducks it. She does her, does the lucha lip up. It's when they do the somersault. And then, and then uh, as they salt onto their head, they flip to their feet. Jaguar does this move. It makes the crowd just pop to no end. Jaguar gets the... Jaguar special, a.k.a. the cross-arm German suplex to win. Highly recommend this match. New champion. I am all about the Jaguar Yokota and the crush gals. Ah, oh, love them all. I'm very curious to where Dump Matsumoto will come into the future. The big heel tag faction. Uh, and it's got she's got the goofiest name in wrestling that I've come across so far. So there you go. A very easy-to-watch all Japan Women's Classics. So yeah, there you go. I'm looking forward to episode three. That is my weekly rest- That is my my podcast retro uh, wrestling show that I'm enjoying two for two while Nitro is slowly slipping through uh, my emotional fury.